everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Aquatic Mentors podcast. I'm your host, Katrina Van Eyck. So today I'm really excited to be bringing you this interview with one of my great mentors. This gentleman has so much experience and like me, he enjoys doing courses when he can and where he can to enhance his knowledge and he's been doing them since he started in his swimming and left school. So the experience this man has is amazing. He's currently the director of the Aquatic Centre at Barker College in New South Wales. He's managing director and founder of Podium Sports Training and Consulting. He's also the managing director and founder of Performance Swimming, which is training and education and consulting. He's part of the board of directors for the Australian Swim Coaches and Teachers Association in the New South Wales branch. He's part of the board of directors for the Aquatic Management Committee with Swimming New South Wales. His previous experience includes the Board of Directors for Australian Swim Coaches and Teachers Association, being on the Board of Directors for Coach Accreditation and Development Advisory Committee with Swimming Australia. He was a national coach for the Fiji Pan Pacific Championships team in 2014. He was the head coach for the Fiji National Youth Team Camp in 2014. He was the head coach for the Fiji Pacific Games team camp in 2015 and the head coach for the Samoan Islands National Team Camp in 2015. And he is also an ASTA Swim Australia course presenter. So he has a wealth of knowledge and what I've just said to you is a small snipper of what he has on his resume. He has so much more and I'm just lucky to be able to call this lovely man my mentor. He offers so much great advice and keeps me on track and we will talk about that in the podcast. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. I really hope you get a lot out of it as I have. He's not one for talking himself up, but I think he's done a great job in the swimming industry and he's got a lot more to give. So enjoy the episode. Let me know what you think. I'm always enjoying any feedback that comes through. So please welcome Hayden Belshaw. So, Hayden, how did you start your journey in swimming? Uh, I guess it all started back with Learn to Swim, and I did not like Learn to Swim at all, so it's quite strange that I'm still in the industry, and mum and dad say the same thing, that I think for the first three years of Learn to Swim, I cried all the way through, and so I wasn't obviously improving from there, and So my parents thought, oh, it's because I was in a group and wasn't getting enough attention maybe. And so I got a private lesson and so I had the same instructor and it was just one of those instructors. She spelt like smoke, had a missing tooth and it wasn't a pleasant experience. And so we had the private lessons and obviously didn't change anything because the same instructor in three years, we'd drive through the gorge from my house to there. So it was a good half hour drive for me to cry all the way there cry during my 30 minute lesson not necessarily cry as much on the way home because I had my killer python uh, that I picked up every time I, I went swimming but uh, yeah mum mum and dad used to get kicked out all the time so I couldn't you know run away or cry to them and so you know dad would be swimming up and down the pool and you know get a tap on the shoulder sorry Mr Belshaw you're gonna have to leave Hayden's crying again and just wants to go to you and so you know dad would get changed and right outside and and do all those things and it was quite strange and and remember it and joke about it every so often went back into normal classes because I wasn't improving just throwing money out the window so to speak with those private lessons and got in there and at the shallow end swim to halfway or wherever it was and stand and wait on the platform and the rule was always you go swim down the the deep end and you know off I go and I'm like oh I could get away from this instructor if I kept going so I kept swimming and instead of her getting upset you know turned to mum sitting on the edge oh how well is he swimming now you can swim the whole length but to swim away and get away from it more than anything else so it wasn't very good memories of why and, and maybe that's also why you know, I guess to try and make a little bit more fun and upbeat and try and make know more hands-on learn to swim you know make it that that environment where you know kids are having fun enjoying smiling all that stuff and but it also gives me a great conversation if parents starting to get a bit nervous or frustrated with their child crying and just tell them the story of how and and what my childhood started out with learn to swim it um 
you know, certainly puts a, an ease ease to him. But moving past that as well, you know, still at the the same pool. I remember going through and doing, and I can't remember if it was, you know, still in learn to swim or maybe been in squads and did did a swim and got out. And you know, Dad said, "Oh, you know, if you swim 25 meters, you know, I'll buy you a computer." And like got in there and swam my 25 meters, and and that was the way I got my very first computer. With little consoles that you kind of plug in, and yeah. you know, they're the kind of early memories. And then into squads on a Saturday morning, that's where I really found some friends and, and got some very good friends that I'm still friends with now all these years ago. And you know, we're talking oh, 30 odd years ago now that, that we were doing these kinds of things and, and still good friends off the back of that. So, but that's where I kind of fell in love with swimming once I had that friendship and, and had that group uh, around me. and and uh, one of my friends, he, he went to a, a different club. Uh, he moved from where we were at Galston up, up to Hornsby and was kind of one of the last in that group that we had. And so Hornsby was nice and close. It was only a couple of k's up the road from where I'm living instead of driving 30 minutes through the gorge all the time. So when I think I was about high school, maybe year six, uh, but probably year seven, you know, went and... Uh, Moved up to, to Hornsby, and that's where I started, I guess, getting into the competitive swimming. You know, outside of club, I did club a lot and uh, still really good friends with uh, with the old head coach that was down at Galston all those many years ago. And Gary Wiener, very switched on and seen the conferences. And, you know, as I said, this is 30 years ago, and he's still asking by name, you know, how mum and, and dad are and even my sister. So, um, you know, it's, it's those kinds of relationships that you really build. But... Yeah, when I went to Hornsby, that was kind of when I started swimming outside of the, the club arena. Uh, so I wasn't, you know, until I was kind of 12, 13, that that kind of started. I wasn't a good swimmer uh, in, you know, what, what I consider. But, you know, one thing that I'm really proud of is uh, I really trained hard and, you know, may have not got to the, the same successes or, or anything like that. But, you know, didn't miss training. Very diligent on there on time. You know, did the stuff pre-training, post-training. I you know, did everything I could to be the, the best of my limited, talented abilities, I guess. But yeah, really just, just loved swimming and, and being around swimming. That's amazing. It's such a, a great story t- that you've come from not liking swimming and not enjoying the teacher and then wanting to put that back in later in life and develop a career around it and become a competitive swimmer and seeing from what you were to what you've become and how aquatics is your career, it's such a difference. Yeah, it's actually quite funny because Sean, who was a good mate of mine who who moved up to Hornsby, he went to a different school. I went to St. Leo's. He went to Asquith Boys. And and we just happened to have July sometime, middle of winter, work experience on at the same time. And we both did swim coaching. And he's not in swim coaching, but... You know, even back all that time, just loved that. We used to actually train in the morning. So even though, you know, we we're meant to be, you know, coaching, we'd train in the morning, but we do our coaching in the afternoon. And, you know, during the day, we'd go across to Hornsby and, you know, watch a movie or, or whatever it was during that week. But even back then, you know, going through and, and doing work experience as a, as a swimming coach with, with my old coach, Brian King, it was uh, quite strange to then, you know, continue to move, you know, along the, the same direction, uh, which, you know, I guess I'm quite fortunate to still be in. Yeah, and that's great. And we're lucky that you're in there and you're still doing that work because, you know, the difference that you can now bring to and the experiences you can bring to your swim teaching as well as coaching and developing these kids is just, yeah, exceptional. So I really like that, how you can change from not liking the water and not liking your teacher into actually using it as a profession. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, even when I first started coaching, you know, one or two hours of an afternoon, you know, I'd have five afternoons where, you know, I'd just be coaching, you know, little people. And uh, my first experience once I got into into coaching was uh, with Harry Gallagher. Um, apologies for the, the bell. It's yeah. still at school. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, Harry was uh, Dawn Fraser's old coach amongst others. And, you know, so he was looking after all the freestylers and, you know, I got all the, all the uh, form strokers, all the backstrokers, breaststrokers and butterflies. So it's really cool. It was a really good experience for, for myself to be able to go through and, uh, and you know, be able to start off there. And, and then even when I, I got my first head coach role, you know, um, I think it was 2001 uh, at Epping, you know, 
it was 24 hours or something a week. So, you know, it was almost seen as a, as a hobby doing coaching. Um, and, you know, to be brutally honest, I, I still treat it as a, as a hobby. I just really enjoy coaching and uh, it's really, you know, my, my time away. And I, I do call it my, uh, to this day, my hobby. Yeah. And that's it. It's, it's a passion that we can turn into uh, work. And for me, I feel the same. It's more of a hobby. It's more of an enjoyment than work. Work, I see, is you have to go to a nine to five job, whereas this is passion that we can just pass on to others. Yeah. And early on, it, it stuck with me. And, and if you enjoy what you do, you never have to do it. You know, have to work a day in your life. And you know, I kind of very much treat it, treat it like that. That's right. Yeah. I'm just um, not as keen as you to do the early mornings. <laughs> uh, special breed, us weirdos. <laughs> That's right. You said it. <laughs> so from then becoming a teacher and the coach, where did your journey continue on from there? I just fell in love with the sport. Uh, and I also fell in love with, with actually interacting and coaching itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think having that work experience, although that was, you know, and I can't remember exactly, but it was probably me late organizing to actually do something or just, I, I felt that it was something easy that I could just go and, and do and coach in the morning, coach in the afternoon, have the middle of the day off while everyone else is working that nine to five, as you say, it, it just opened me up to, you know, just a, a different side of, of swimming. And, and I, and I did, I, I really fell in love uh, with the, the sport when I was swimming and, and doing all that stuff. And, and as you said, being able to pass it on and having these little, you know, kids look up with their puppy dog eyes, you know, looking at you just eager to learn, you know, because I was, you know, in the, you know, one of the better squads at the time. And, and, you know, I was working with the junior squad or whatever it was called back. And, you know, they were just listening to everything and wanted to, to do those kinds of, of things it was it was just amazing to to see early on and you know I still see it now like it's great coaching you know what I call my big ugly guys but going down and, and coaching the little guys or getting back into doing some learn to swim or when I had my first child getting back and, and actually re-familiarizing myself with with uh, baby lessons and and having that interaction it's it's just such a rewarding uh, role that we play in in their lives i even remember as a as a swimmer you know i'd get up in the morning ride to to the pool uh do my session you know get on the train go to school come back do my homework do my session jump on the bike ride home eat dinner see my parents while i had dinner and then went to bed so a lot of my time growing up was was very much heavily influenced by my coaches just because of the time that i was spending with them and, and not necessarily the, the time with my, with my family. So, uh, you know, those kinds of influences, you know, and I have it now I've got, you know, almost the same situation where kids get dropped off early in the morning, have them in the morning, you know, they go to school, you know, come back in the afternoon, see the parents for very little time. So there's a, there's a large influence uh, that we, we have and as much as try and involve parents and get them involved there's still you know not that time that's spent you know week in week out you know with being able to see them you know as they come in you know after school and and all that stuff so you know it's it's one of those you know things that uh that i remember as a as a swimmer and very much you know think about it you know almost daily on on how what we can do to to help these young athletes become you know better people because we we are a, a massive influence on on how what they they do and how they grow up as well yeah and that's right we are an influence on them i find a lot of the times kids would tell me stuff that they'd never tell their parents and if their parents knew they'd be totally shocked um mm. And I think that's it. Like it's an, another face for them, someone they feel comfortable with to talk to. You become like a parent, you instill morals into them. Yeah, it, it's a big responsibility that you're making a difference in someone's life. Yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things. You, you get out what you get in and, and uh, you know, if you work hard for something, you know, you'll get some sort of reward for it. You know, it may not be a, an Olympic gold medal that, a lot of people, you know, kind of strive towards, but, you know, improvements or making a team or swimming at 
at regional championships, making a regional team or state team or whatever it may be. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, um, you know, lessons and, and lessons that outside the, the, uh, the scope of what we do, you know, we talk about, you know, swimming and, and all that stuff, but, you know, they, they get taught discipline, you know, getting up at, as you are well aware, very early in the morning to, to go through and, and, you know, do their session is, is, you know, quite difficult to do. Have to be really good at time management because there's so many other things that happen, you know, with homework and other sports and other commitments and, and trying to keep up a, a full-time program, you know, is, is quite difficult to do. So they, they learn how to time manage and all those things. So there's a lot of skills that are instilled in these athletes. And, and I know there's a lot of employers and I've uh, got a great example with Andrew Smith, a, a guy that I got when he was about 15 years old, a backstroker and ended up being a, a very handy butterfly. He made the final at a national open level at, uh, in the 50 fly and semi in the 100 fly and was a decent freestyler as well. And he went for a, a job early on and he got through because whilst everyone's kind of on the same page, you know, the, 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 um, the boss that he had at the time saw that he was a, a high level national athlete and, and knew exactly what time and dedication, all those things that go into getting to that level is. So, you know, he was able to get an interview just because of, of that. So, you know, oh. there's a, there's a whole lot of scope outside of just being a, a better or being a better swimmer as they go through on what helps them with lifelong skills. Yeah, that's right. It is. It's a, a sport that can help you with those lifelong skills and you can learn it so early. Not many other sports do offer that sort of gathering and it can be offered to anyone who, as soon as you reach your squad level, you can become, and even beforehand, you can become a lot more independent and learn those skills straight away. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's the biggest lesson you've learned or is there a few lessons that you've learned over your swimming journey? Uh, yeah, probably... All, all the above. Uh, I think, you know, just what we're talking about of, of hard work uh, pays off. Um, you know, I think that the whole, you know, if you love what you do, you never have to do work a day in your life. All, all those kinds of things, you know, really make up, you know, what, what I feel. And, and I guess even now, you know, not, not stopping my educational journey. I was never good at school. I'm not even going to pretend that I that I was, but uh, on the back of school, I really kind of made a, a conscious decision that if I wanted to be better at whatever I wanted to do, then I was going to have to focus instead of focusing on everything happening in the pool into making myself a, a better coach if I wanted to you know, really do that. So every year since I left school, I've done some sort of course. And that's why you know, my resume looks like, you know, makes me look like I'm 60 because I, I just go through and, and try and keep to that, that continual learning on, on trying to be a, a better coach. So then I can, you know, help people better rather than kind of sitting on, you know, what I know and, and be happy with that. I always want to try and push myself to, to be better. Yeah. And I have seen your resume said, and it is amazing the stuff that you have on there. You've done so much in such a short time. It's inspiration to see what you've adapted and what you've, learned and taking on I follow the same journey of I want to learn something new all the time and you've always got to be learning and each year I get winter off so I'm spending my time now learning and learning and doing new things I think that's what all swim yeah, brilliant. need. yeah oh 100% couldn't yeah. agree with you more yeah and it's so much, so better to be able to give that back to your swimmers you know what you can learn can then be developed and uh, siphoned into your swimmers and show them you know the skills and the highlights that are out there most definitely most definitely that's great so people listening keep learning and <laughs> <laughs> i've done previous podcasts one with sally and gary from Aster, and they both said the same thing and brendan as well they're always learning you should never stop learning even you know once you make those the higher levels and get those bigger achievements there's still so much more to learn absolutely and and those that are sitting even in in those areas them themselves are still trying to become better and better and better so you know it's it's not by accident put it that way yeah that's right yep so all of the experience you've had and everything you've done in swimming so far and there's so much more to come 
what's been one highlight or a couple of highlights that have really stood out for you so far? As a coach? At both coach and personal. Oh, I guess from a personal aspect, probably two. When I could beat my dad for the first time, uh, and that was pretty much his retirement, as it is for, for most fathers that kind of swim until their, their kids get past them. So that was probably one highlight. But, uh, yeah, I, I think what stands out is, is being able to, to swim at, at a national level with, uh, with teammates. Uh, in in relays, uh, you know, 1996, went to Brizzy and swam uh, in you know both the medley and freestyle relays. And Sean was was one of those uh, was one of those boys, and and we finished tenth, of course, in both, and that was top eight at the time. So it was that that experience on going away with uh, with the team. That's probably the the highlight of my swimming uh, career, but. You know, in terms of having athletes and, and I guess, you know, that's, you know, right now, you know, what excites me on, on things is, is more about helping other athletes, you know, get to, to different levels. You know, like, I couldn't go past probably, oh, I've probably got half a dozen of them, but, you know, my first, so one of the girls that I used to coach, she actually swam with me at, at Hornsby when, when I was coaching with, with Harry and she was a breaststroker, so she was swimming with me. Yep. And when I got uh, when I got the job at, at Epping, she actually came with me, and uh, her family wasn't well off, and they really struggled to to do her there. But you know, we formed a really good relationship, and she's doing really well. And and uh, and I have a nickname for all my all my athletes. Her name was Muscles. So uh, so I had Muscles. She was my first gold medal at a, at a metro level, well, at any level really. Wow. Uh, she was the first athlete that uh, got that. So that was that was really really special. Lane two, fifty breaststroke. So that was uh, that was really nice. And and I, actually, I like because had a uh, multi class girl, Kate Barry, uh, S eight, and uh, and she she actually broke the Australian record in the two hundred freestyle, but ended up being quite a good breaststroke because I, I love uh, like swimming breaststroke was my thing. Maybe that's why I'm weird and and uh, different and get up at strange times but uh yeah but uh you know, blame that. yeah you'll blame that and, and you know i just wanted to work on a breaststroke she had cerebral palsy so uh you know wasn't able to to have good movement but um you know she broke the 200 freestyle record she got multiple medals and that she's another one that came with me to to epping as well and and those two you know kind of really stand out for my I guess my Hornsby days leading into into my early coaching experiences at, at Epping. And then I had this girl, she was like me, and, and I don't like to say this, but, you know, didn't have the, the same talent as others, we'll put it that way, but worked extremely hard. Loosh, uh, her nickname was, uh, <laughs> Lucy McGrath, Cadell. And one of the things, she just wanted to make Open Nationals. She was older, um, you know, as I said, you know, would do anything. Like I'd do weird things like call her up early in the morning and, and she had a sister that was swimming as well. Uh, Smiles was her nickname, M, and uh, I'd say, give your bag to your sister. And these are the back when things were a little bit safer. And, and I'd say, run to training this morning. So she'd, you know, do that, run to training and uh, and do all those things. We used to travel, you know, together. And, you know, although I hate to, to do this now, kind of traveling around, trying to chase times. And we got to metros uh, one day and I, I can remember it like yesterday on her touching 50 breaststroke, Touched the wall, end up getting a bronze medal in the open uh, 50 breaststroke, uh, and got the time for for nationals. So that was really sweet, uh, knowing the time and effort that she put in, and and would you know do anything that I I'd say, and and to get that reward in the end was just amazing, really really good, and and one of the real highlights, uh, you know that I, that I have on you know really. I guess trusting the process and and just put a hundred percent into into what she did and and got the the end result you know which was just amazing so that was that was uh, you know another one Bosco Wong uh, Biz the uh, my little Asian from uh, from Hong Kong and you know dad was still overseas uh, working mum was over here couldn't really get to training he just it was a little pudgy little kid and I just remember he just had a really good feel for the water but he was just he was uh, you classify him as like a class clown and you know he he turned into an incredible athlete really good backstroker from from day dot 
reasonable um, butterfly and, and okay in the freestyle. Terrible breaststroker. I've coached two Asians in my whole life that have been terrible breaststrokers, and and he was certainly one of them. So his medley wasn't uh, wasn't fantastic at all. But you know, he was also one, and and his birthday was around the Metro Championships, and so he, he actually won the 15, 16 years, 50 or 100 backstroke. Can't remember which one, but three years in a row. Uh, just because of where his birthday was. He won it as 15, won a 16, and then won it as a 16-year-old for the third year. So that was cool. But, wow. you know, that also gave me the opportunity because, you know, he really did go from nothing to, to something. And it wasn't just, you know, about what he was doing with me, but he grew and filled out, got stronger. We actually went over to uh, to Hong Kong for 10 days and the association asked me to, to come over and do some like little clinics oh. around the place. Yeah, which was a great experience. This was like 2007, I think it was, just before uh, Beijing because he made a, um, a shadow team or something or other and, you know, kind of came from not a lot to, to that and being in, in Australia didn't make it any easier for him to get on the on the radar for him either. But that was a really good experience on being able to go over to over there and, and experience that kind of like culture change, you know, different language, you know all that stuff so really uh kind of opened up uh, those those doors and then you know first gold you know national medal uh that was you know lucas who actually his name's luke which i named my first child after so he uh he was another one really hard worker you know he he was really good kid uh brought up really well whole family's unbelievable uh they were really nice kids uh, all, all the way through and kind of epitomized what, you know, I wanted my family to to be like. And so, yeah, so I named my first, <laughs> my first child after, after Luke and uh, you know, he, yeah, first national gold medal. Uh, and he, he had a bit of, bit of talent obviously, but was a really hard worker, really shy early on and kind of grew into being a little bit more than, more than that. That was quite exciting, but they're special to me for special reasons, you know, it like had, you know, a stack of, you know, people medal and all that stuff, but just, just people that, um, that, that really came from something adverse or, or did something a little bit special. You know, I, I remember I've got a little uh, lady, her name was uh, Alison Crosby. So I called her Bill, Bill Crosby. And uh, so Bill was lucky to be up to, you know, my armpits, uh, it shows she was really short all the way through. Uh, but she, again, hard worker, loved the swimming uh, in uh, New South Wales. You know, a lot of our school swimming carnivals are based around 50. You know, she didn't have the height. She didn't have the, the muscle, the strength or anything like that. So, you know, never really kind of did anything in the, in the school scene and, and uh, for many, many years. And when she turned, I can't remember, year 11 or year 12, uh, you know, after all these years of, of putting in, didn't get any, any taller, got stronger, better technique and all that stuff. And, and uh, year 11 and or 12, you know, walked away winning our all schools championships in the 400 IM, 800 freestyle, 1500 freestyle, you know, those you know, more gritty events and, you know, just really stuck it out. So, you know, she had a massive heart uh, and, you know, it was really, really something that, you know, again, you know, not necessarily ever going to make anything, but really loved the swimming, enjoyed her training, really good to have around. Again, really nice, polite girl. And and uh, and she was just, yeah, just in, incredible. And, and not too dissimilar, actually, when I when I moved on to, to Lane Cove, I had uh, my assistant coach, his wife was working down, down the road at this uh, small swim school and said, I've got this kid, he's just getting too tall. And he, he just loves his swimming. He just can't stop talking about it or anything like that. And, and she goes, oh, I'd love if he could come across. And because oh, he had a 25 and it had a 50 at Lane Cove. So I had a bit of extra space. And yeah, yeah, bring him along. And so, yeah, he was yeah, kind of 14, 15 years old and you know, a bit lanky. And, you know, and just all he's talking about. And, and even to this day, he's still swimming. He's, on, he's actually got a scholarship within Swiss and swimming out at with Adam Cable out at Homebush and, and uh, this, this little kid with this big dream of making the Australian team. He's made a few finals. He's still going and trying to 
make the team next year for the Olympics in, you know, in the 200 freestyle or 400 freestyle. And, and he's just somebody that's just worked incredibly hard, driven to one goal on making that Australian team. And he's, I don't know, 23 now. Yeah. So eight years on and uh, he's still chasing the same dream as he had when he was 15 years old and, and just incredible. Mum and dad split up. So that was a little bit hard on, on you know getting to training and all that stuff but always found the time and effort and and just absolutely loves his swimming so you now again just a, something different that really stands out in i guess my my highlights and, and probably to finish off with sorry to to have such long-winded no um, that's fine is, but great you know from i guess you know looking back at where i was at a as a swimmer and, and gone into coaching you know i, I coached this girl uh, gina um such a lotto and uh dino of course has her <laughs> nickname and um and i coached her for oh, i don't know 15 years uh, all up and and now you know she's she's got a, a doctor in, in biomechanics she did you know some stuff down at the ais and and you know i was able to bring you know some athletes to help her do a research so now she's dr Satchelotto, which is kind of strange and actually yeah. in saying that mr um, bosco wong my class clown is a doctor as well He's a chiropractor, Um, but, you know, and now she's coaching as well. You know, Annie and and Nick, um, I drove them home every day and dropped off Annie on the way home and then, you know, Nick and and, uh, both of them are are in in coaching as well. So, you know, it's kind of not necessarily they were inspiring to do what I was, but, you know, they're they're following the same, you know, pathway or or dream that, that I was. And I was, you know, in in their little realm of, you know, really love swimming and now getting into coaching. So and I coached Nick from, you know, eight years old or something and grew to 18 or 19 and, and got a scholarship at uh, at Sydney Uni. Uh, so just, you know, long-term athletes that I, that I had that, uh, yeah, are now coaching. It's, it's, it's great to see them on pool deck, actually. That's really cool to be able to have that journey with them you started their interest in swimming and got them going and they've gone so far with the sport in their own way and now they're being able to give back and what you've given to them, they can then give back to their swimmers. That's really cool. Mm, it's great. It, it's a really nice feeling to just, yeah, to just see it and still keep in contact. Like I'll get, I got a message from Nick the other day, you know, about something or rather around the, the pools opening and stuff like that. So, you know, still keep in, in close contact. Annie's the same. She's getting married or was getting married. And so, you know, the family invited me to bring my family over and we had pre-COVID, you know, lunch and, you know, it, all those kinds of things are just really, you know, really nice to, to look back on what kind of relationships we formed outside of, you know, just being a, a coach and athlete uh, relationship. That's great. And yeah, to be able to look back on it and see it and to be able to celebrate that with your swimmers and with her to be seeing her getting married. That's amazing to be able to see it full circle. And mm. very like, you should be really proud of yourself for that. And I hope they're going to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they will. And congratulations to her for on her wedding when it happens. <laughs> Absolutely. I've already penciled it in. I got email email from dad going, oh, we're going to be moving it. And are you available? And this is next year sometime. So it's already in the calendar. I was going to say, of course you'll be available. <laughs> as yeah, long as it's exactly. not around nationals or something like that. <laughs> she knows better. She knows yeah. better. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> She's learning. Or um, rugby <laughs> day. <laughs> Grandpa. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So you've played such an amazing role in these swimmers' lives and in their journey and you've been a mentor and a coach for them. Is there someone that's done that for you? Oh, probably there's a few different levels. I think, uh, as I said, you know, my coaches were heavily involved in, you know, I guess how and what I was brought up with and, and even to today, you know, as I was talking about Gary in the early days, you know, catching up even, you know, once a year or, you know, I sent him a, a text or give him a phone call on his, on his birthday, uh, you know, even to this day, you know, you know, they're the kind of, you know, memories and, and you know, being able to really fall back and, and have those. So certainly my coaches, so with Gary and, and then uh, Graham Walker, who's still coaching as well. He's now on the North Coast. 
you know, Graham, I, I see, you know, pretty regularly on, on pool deck. He's back now quite heavily involved with his coaching and his kids. So, you know, it's really nice to be able to, to see him. And it was probably my first, I guess, real coach. And, and without uh, disrespect to, to Gary, I was quite early and young in those days and, and very, uh, I guess, unawares of, of what's going on. But, you know, through those, you know, kind of important developmental years and, Graham was there at my nationals, you know, when I was up there, as I was talking about earlier with, with Brisbane. So he's there. And then, you know, kind of finished off with Brian King, who uh, moved up to Gold Coast after being over in the US for, for a period of time and spent some time coaching with uh, with Dennis Cottrell and, and you know, some of the, the, the great athletes up there as well. So they're probably, as coaches, they're probably my three big influences. When I first got into coaching, uh, my program when I went to, to Epping was was very small. So we had like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning. So no Tuesday, Thursday. So those mornings, I actually, Homebush wasn't too far away from from that. So it was probably a 25 minute drive or 20 minute drive for, for me to, to get to Epping. And it was probably about that again to get out to Homebush. So quite regularly, I'd, I'd go, out, um, go out there. So uh, Alan Thompson, who ended up being the, uh, or who was the in-Swiss and then ended up being the Australian head coach. And Tony Shaw were probably the, the big two early influences yeah. uh, that I just went and watched. Both, you know, very successful Olympic uh, athletes and programs. And, and even to this day, you know, I probably talk to Tony once a, a month and, and Alan maybe a little bit less. But, you know, even at the moment, you know, he's been, you know, helping me with some professional development with, with my coaches. So I still stay in regular contact. Uh, even though he's, you know, working in the rugby league world, you know, you can't get the uh, swimming out of him. So, you know, just really trying to suck all that information out of him and, and help develop, you know, the coaches that I have around me as well. Yeah. Greg Morrison, Greg McWhorter, Les Barclay, you know, in those early times on, on pull deck uh, and competitions and being able to rely on having those conversations. But then also probably the more recent times, uh, you know, looking at those that, you know, about, you know, my age and, you know, kind of grew up, you know, doing our silver license at the conference, you know, in the early 2000, 2001. And, and Brett Winkworth, I, I talk with, you know, every, every day, if not uh, <laughs> twice a day. Uh, Terry Layla's is another guy that I had in my program. And, and um, he went over to uh, Canada and was coaching over there and came back and needed some work. And was very fortunate that we were able, although it's an assistant coach, I, I certainly didn't, and treat him like that and, and really kind of work side by side for a few years at, at Epping and, and really helped me develop as well because as a head coach you're kind of uh, you know doing everything as as such and you don't really get to spend the time on you know I guess pushing or developing your, yourself you're always working and helping and developing others so that was a good opportunity to um, to get him in and, and I guess push each other so yeah uh, just to finish off with the the team that I have at uh, at Barker now, you know we're very much you know about collaboration, you know challenging each other on sessions and makeups and you know what progression charts and you know we do a lot of planning on on what the season ahead is going to look like or you know debriefing on a competition, you know so all those kinds of things that that we work on. So they're the influences of our program. It's it's not just mine here at Barker. Yeah, and that's it. And it's about building a team and enhancing others. I think that's great that you've been able to do that because you can pass on the knowledge that you learn and build other people and other people's careers around that because it's going to make a better industry if you can mentor and build those people as well as them giving you mentorship as well. Absolutely. And it it, it makes for a pipeline then, you know, rather than just being strong in one particular area it means that you're strong all the way through if, if, you've got, uh, if you've got those coaches around you. Yeah, that's right. And congratulations to the Barker Swim School on their award as well. That was fantastic, your Aster Award. Thank you very much. Yes, very pleased. And uh, I certainly uh, congratulated everyone in the program for, uh, for that effort, most definitely. Good work. I hope you, well, you wouldn't have been able to, but drinks on Zoom or something like that. I was going to say <laughs> Do that now. Not, yeah, not not quite, not quite. But uh, we we definitely will celebrate. Yeah, what you're saying about the team, especially at Barker, and you know what you've done, because I went through and looked at your Facebook page, 
and it, you can see that there's the team, everyone's involved. There's so many photos of there of the team together. It's yep. not just certain people standing out, and I think that's great. Yeah, no, we, we work as a very strong unit, and if one part's not working, then we're all not working. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So always good to Facebook stalk people. I'll just put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> so you've spoken about your biggest lessons and what you've taken from swimming. Is there any other advice that you would give to new swim teachers and coaches? Take your time and learn the craft. Uh, I think, uh, you know, back when I first started coaching, you know, I was still swimming and, and um, you know, swimming at a reasonable uh, level and I guess forgot all the basics as it, you know, as you do when uh, when you haven't done things for a dozen years. And, and so, you know, it was only when I went back and started teaching Learn to Swim that my coaching got better uh, because I was able to construct and, and put like a stroke model together rather than going, oh, why isn't this working or why can't you do this? You should be able to do that. So I think that was one of the, the big early lessons. Mm-hmm. Then when I moved to be a head coach, I felt that with that, that role or that title, I, I really needed to be the one that did everything and made all the decisions and all that stuff. And uh, that really set me back because I had an awesome assistant coach. She was actually the assistant coach at, at Hornsby when I was swimming. And I swam with her, um, her daughter. And, uh, you know, I, I really didn't take the opportunity to learn and listen and ask advice from her because I, I thought as a head coach, you know, and she went for the role as well and wasn't successful at getting it. I, I just, you know, thought that I had to prove myself. And uh, so, you know, I think uh, in those early eight, you know, years of, of coaching, I really missed out on, on a lot of opportunities to, to, uh, to learn from from other experiences, which, you know, now I kind of have learned and, and try and do the same with other young coaches. I'm trying to help and mentor them rather than them learning the hard way like I did. I think I probably wasted the first three years of my life on on just going to the conference and, you know, listening to the keynote speaker. And all of a sudden that was my program for 12 months. Then I went to the next year and somebody else had something else to say. So I kind of threw it out the window and, and started on this one. And, um, you know, so instead of kind of building blocks, I, I kind of had the same block the first three years and then, you know, cottoned on to what I really should be doing and, and then kind of learnt from there. So, you know, taking your, your time to learn and, and, and don't be too eager um, too early on, I, I think is probably one of the, 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 the big key advices. And, and whether it's in, in coaching or whether it's in, in learn to swim, trying to be a, a coach or trying to be a deck supervisor, you know, take your time, you know, and, and don't be too proud, you know, because you, you're going to learn the hard way and it's going to take a lot longer for, for you to actually get to, to the end point. Well, not necessarily the end point, but to a point where you potentially, you know, can be moving into a different area. Yeah, and that's so true. And it's like what you've been able to do just so people don't have to learn the hard way, but there are so many lessons you learn on the job and it's all about experience. It's all about putting yourself out there. But I found when I was first starting that I felt like I needed to know everything and I need to be this all-round person who, you know, had to know it all, had to know every step. How do you progress someone through? I had to know from babies to sort of a mini squad or sort of that development squad type thing. And I've come to realise that it takes so long to know those areas that they can be all specialised areas. So not to put so much pressure on yourself. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more again. So, But, but it works both ways as well. So sorry to, to interrupt, but you know, I, I learn as much from, you know, people in learn to swim as much as yourself in, in how eager and enthusiastic that, that you are. And, you know, I sometimes try and put a muzzle on, but, um, you know, the, I, I, I still, uh, I still learn from, from everyone, regardless of how long or how little late or, you know, even people that aren't even in our industry, you know, learning about different mm. areas or, or things outside the box on, you know, trying to make yourself, think a bit differently sometimes you know it's not always your way is the right way or the only way I don't necessarily you know believe that anyway but you know like there's other ways to to do it and and look at different options on on how and what you can do 
Yeah, and that's right. And like you mentioned before, your the swim teacher I've worked with you now, a swim coach, sorry, has gone into rugby and to learning what you can from other sports and other codes. or A lot of that can be applied to whether it's your own personal development or how someone moves and how a person development develops. They know all that stuff as well. So it can be interrelated between sports. It can be interrelated between different areas, different coaches or what you focus on someone else might focus on something different but you can learn from them as well yep absolutely and i do listen when you try and put a puzzle on me <laughs> <laughs> that's probably not not quite the, the right way but um no it is yeah <laughs> <laughs> so for you, those of you that are listening hayden belcher is um a mentor of mine i've learned so much from him and I do annoy him with emails, as I say in a lot of my podcasts. <laughs> and there are times when I go, what about this? And especially lately, he said, no, calm down, do what you've got on your to-do list before you come up with some crazy hairbrain ideas. So it's good. I need that. <laughs> I'm an actions man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm not, I, as we spoken about before, I'm a dreamer <laughs> and I need someone behind me. So it's good. I'm glad <laughs> you keep me under control. <laughs> so for you what does swimming look like in the future wow that's the uh, million dollar question <laughs> uh pre-covid i, I would have uh i would have said that uh it, reasonably easy i could i could almost predict um you know what uh what swimming was going to look like in the future but uh but now you know, swimming is certainly not invincible. And I always thought, you know, when they're talking about, you know, taking away, um, you know, checkout chicks, you know, not to be discriminative, but, you know, the the old term checkout chick and, and put a, you know, self-serve and all that stuff. I was always like, oh, you know, they're not never going to be able to put, you know, robots in the water. So the learn to swim is almost bulletproof. And then this comes along and, and everything just comes to a complete halt. So, you know, I guess all this, you know, pandemic really showed that nothing's really, well, some, some things have grown out of it or, or have accelerated out of it, but, uh, but swimming's certainly not, you know, it's something that's immune to, to being always, you know, happening and, and being around. So, but, um, you know, there's so many theories and scenarios going around and openings for different states, you know, it, it's first and foremost, you know, that the future is about stability. Yeah. And, you know, coming back to what is the new norm is, you know, really the, the minefield, the pathway that we're all trying to navigate through very much blindly, uh, not, you know, being through this, uh, this previously. So trying to, you know, go back into the, the memory banks and, and think about experiences and all that stuff, you know, really just doesn't help in this situation. So I'm very much a planner. And this is absolutely killing me from the inside because I like to have things planned, organized and, and, you know, here, here's the pathway. This is where we're going and, and all that stuff. And, and right now, you know, I, I don't even know what tomorrow is going to bring with the uh, introduction to uh, easing in, in indoor pools. Cause I just don't know what that, what that looks like. So, yeah. you know, it's really difficult, you know, for me to even, you know, go through and, and see what's, what's going to happen. But I'm very much on the, the belief that those that adapt uh, to the new norm will be successful. Yeah. Uh, I have absolutely no doubt that those that can really, that have worked through this, uh, because really, you know, the true colours have shown in businesses, you know, particularly at a, at a professional level, you know, how flimsy the financial model is without, you know, certain aspects coming in, you know, without throwing anyone under the bus, but, you know, tennis Australia, you know, uses the money that they make from the Australian open to fund everything. And when the Australian open doesn't happen, there's, there's absolutely no money uh, similar with, you know, TV rights and all those kinds of things. So there's going to be a few that are going to change their, their model, I believe, if they, if they want to uh, not incur the same problems that they have now into the future. So those that adapt, I think, will, you know, really, you know, succeed. And, and you know, embracing, you know, when things go wrong, you know, they, they go really wrong. And, you know, you can't do much about it. But what you can do on the other side, you know, gives a, a lot of... Uh, I guess that kind of, you know, sit back, take it and then move forward rather than you know, necessarily jumping into, into the fire. 
Yeah, and I think that's it. Like, like you've said, it's about adapting and changing and trying things in a new way. And I think with swimming, there can be a lot of limitations to it because you've got safety aspect, you've got being in water, but it's just about adapting and trying new things and throwing stuff out there and experimenting. And that's one thing I love to do is experiment. Yeah, I'll, I remember, and I probably don't do it as much as I used to, but you know, I always used to do weird and wacky things and, and thinking outside the box on how and what we could do to develop whatever it may be through through swimming or, you know, like, you know, getting on the phone and calling up somebody and telling them to run to training, you know, weird things like that. And uh, I guess that's part of the whole innovation. And, and uh, like you mentioned before with our with our award trying to do things that are a little bit outside the, the box as well. So, you know, being unconventional sometimes, you know, can really pay dividends as well. Yeah. And that's it. And not everything works as it used to. Not everyone follows the same path. So being different, being out there, especially when we're getting such a, a diversity in our culture now, you know, you've got to cater for everyone's needs and everyone, the way people learn. Oh, definitely. And, you know, as much as I say I love planning and, and, you know, being organised and all that stuff, I think one of the things coming out of COVID is that, you know, sport is about unpredictability. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, as much as you want to put to a perfect plan and preparation, you know, something can happen at, you know, whatever competition, your goggles fill up, you know, all those kinds of things, you, you know, you, you, they're the unpredictability. And, and I think that's where, I guess, sport has, you know, and there's probably a lot of other businesses as well, but, you know, sport is about unpredictability. If we could predict what the footy scores were going to be or, you know, who was actually going to win a game, you know, on the, on the weekend would be, you know, very rich or, or the lotto. But, um, you know, that's, that's the, the game that we, that we live day in, day out. We try and make it more predictable by, you know, consistency and, and working on, you know, being a, having a better, you know, program or you know, whatever it may be. But, um, you know, sport is, as I said, about being unpredictable and, and that's that's where we are right now. Yeah, that's it. And it's the perfect time to grow and develop and bring swimming into the new world. Absolutely. Most definitely. So moving on with that, and I think you have some great insight here, as an individual and also as an industry, how can we promote swimming and develop it to increase participation numbers but also do this without as much funding coming through? Uh, great question. And look, I, I think that what this COVID has actually done is actually got people collaborating a lot more. And it's not just within the swimming industry. You know, I think sport, business, everyone's kind of helping and working with each other to come up with plans and ways and, and really openly sharing ideas and thoughts. And, and I think what's going to happen on the back of it is that we're going to be able to use a lot of those experiences different, not necessarily just on the funding side of things, but being able to really work on being a little bit more inventive with, uh, with how you use your budget, you know, even, you know, looking at, you know, cross promotions and, and sports working together, uh, you know, for, for different um, grants or, you know, getting, somebody to come into the the town or whatever or the club and and do a talk they might you know get a little bit of money from here a little bit of money from there a little bit of money from there to to make those things happen so i think the the collaboration that uh, that we have post uh, pandemic is is probably going to help us because we weren't getting any more money within swimming and uh, and we're certainly you know at the moment everything's you know, very much on on hold so this has kind of given us a, a good opportunity to, to stop and and reset Mm-hmm. And like even the things like on, you know, Asta are, are providing and Swim Australia are providing free PD sessions, you know, webinars, you know, for an hour, you know, those kinds of things, you know, if we didn't have what we, we had may never have eventuated and, you know, very cheap, well, it's free um, way <laughs> of, of getting some way for us to develop ourselves as, as coaches or us as instructors, managers, deck supervisors, you know, you name it. Uh, you know, there's there's certainly some PD out there to to go with it. So, even though there will be some challenges, certainly still going through with you know less funding that we have, I, I think we may look at at different ways of of being able to stretch that dollar instead of 
you know, me flying to Broken Hill, you know, we, we could do some Zoom sessions with, with the coaches, parents or athletes and, and maybe every second year, you know, going out there or whatever, you know, just for an example that I think we'll think a little bit outside the box on the back of, of this. But in saying that, you know, I'm always very much about investing in the coaches or the instructors. You know, swimmers will come and go and they'll do that. But, you know, those that uh, keep and, and hold that knowledge and, and will grow our industry are, are certainly the, the backbones in, in that. So very passionate and very committed to, to doing that. Yeah, and that's right. They're the ones, if you can influence and develop a swim teacher or a coach, they're the ones that are going to pass the sport on to other swimmers. And, I mean, just like you've had with your swimmers, they've been then able to coach and pass it on to those swimmers that they coach, and then they may influence someone to then take up the industry. So it's yeah. paying it forward and passing it on and encouraging others. Yeah, I was very fortunate to uh, to spend a bit of time uh, about over a you know five or six year period with uh, with Fiji Swimming and and the initial conversation that I had with them was that they had some money given to them from the Australian government over there on um, you know their, their drowning rate is just astronomical over there and and uh, they wanted me to come over and, and teach thirty people how to swim. Mm-hmm. And I wrote back to him, I said, oh, I think that's fantastic that you're looking at different ways on on prevention of swimming and that. And I said. But instead of teaching these 30 people how to swim, how about I teach them how to teach others how to swim? You know, so now you've got 30 instructors, so to speak. So if they could teach then 30 kids how to swim, all of a sudden you've, you've you know, spread out to 900 people and not just 30 people. So you know, I don't have many great ideas, but you know, things like that sometimes <laughs> fall out of my old head. And you know, that was kind of the catalyst to, to really start thinking about rather than looking at, you know, the smaller picture, start thinking about the bigger picture, which, you know, is very much, as I said, that the backbone being our instructors and our, our coaches. Yeah, and that's right. And that's a, a great way of looking at it because you're impacting everyone then because they can then go and impact their own culture. I think that's fantastic. And I'm still waiting to my invite to come help you next time you go to. <laughs> as I'm oh, sure the list is right. getting longer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'll be there one day. I'll just go over by myself, maybe. I'll be endorsed by take you and head over. Take the fam. Well worth it. I haven't yet. I'm in trouble for that. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly an experience. Yeah, it'd be amazing. And to be able to share it with everyone, not just people in Australia and for yourself in New South Wales, it'd be amazing just to be able to share it with different cultures and see you'd learn so much from them as well. Definitely. Definitely learn a lot learned so much through them they are the nicest people in the world so they kind of bring that other side of me barking orders all the time so you know I just I just remember how nice they always are and maybe me not so much all the time so I've got to to still work on that (laughs) (laughs) no well if you can put up with me and all my antics then you're definitely nice and you haven't flown up with me yet No, no, no. It's it's quite refreshing, you know. As I said, you you learn a lot from everyone, and you know, I continue to learn from from you and start thinking, you know, about things that you send through, and and uh, one day I'll I'll have to uh, steal a few of your ideas. Yeah. Wow, that would be the biggest honour is to be able to have <laughs> someone steal my ideas. I think that's great. <laughs> we can work in collaboration. I think. <laughs> Love it. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time, and it's been great. I think. You've got a lot of knowledge and inspiration to pass on to people. I've learned so much from you, from more about your background and what you've done. And I mean, we've spoken before and I said when I saw you at the conference last year, it was amazing how many people you knew. And it sort of gobsmacked me, but now I understand you've, you've done a lot in your, in swimming. And I think that's fantastic. I've just been around a lot and I was uh and still am very much like you on on getting in touch with people and I think uh you know that kind of communication and that networking you know up, opens up you know opportunities and and idea sharing and and collaboration so uh if there's any piece of advice from me to you it's keep it up. Oh brilliant. I will. I'll keep annoying you. Definitely. <laughs> Not annoying. no I'll definitely keep it up and it's a passion I have and to be able to share that with other people I think it's great yeah it's brilliant
Thank you. Oh, thank you very much.